just want to say I'm honored. <laughs> I just want to say welcome to the podcast. I am recording this. Uh, this will be going on uh, our episode um, and, you know, all, all on social media as well, Facebook or also Instagram. And so thank you so much for joining us. Uh, thank you for joining me. Um, I just I just want to say just a public record. just want to say it out there that you are and always will be my favorite professor from all of colleges. I've been to three colleges. Um, and each one of those had amazing people, but for sure you have left the most impact upon my life, upon my leadership, um, and just upon just the way I live my life. I remember literally the first day I walked in as a, as a you know, young junior, excited to be at San Diego State, and you made the, such a big campus feel so small, and you made such a big atmosphere feel so, you made me feel so important so just thank you so much for just being who you are lisa you're just an amazing person and there isn't anyone i wouldn't want to have on the podcast um anyone else because of the fact that you're just you're everything that you live and what you say and so thank you so much for just being you well thank you i feel incredibly honored uh, by those words especially coming from you because you know I, and I, I appreciate your words so much i mean they really they move me so much you know i think I am the one who is really blessed because you walk in and I see you and I see how you're showing up and I see the heart that you have for what you do. And I see in you the intention of what it is you want to want to change in the world and what you're trying to build and cultivate. And for me, I, I draw from that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, and, and, you know, you know, you know, maybe we'll get into this uh, later in the podcast, but I'm just, uh, you know, like, thank you for those incredible words. And I, uh, you know, again, it's like, I am not just a person doing what I do. I do it in response to the people that I am with. Yes. So I hope you, I hope you know that I don't, I don't take all the credit for that. <laughs> it's, a, it's a mutual thing, right? Thank you, I truly Sam. see it that way. Thank you. Yes. And, and that just speaks about your character. Your, you know, your, your humility speaks for itself and just thank you so much for being a part. So let's get right into it, Dr. Gates. I have so many questions for you. Um, and so I just want everyone to, just for the record, just tell me a little bit more about yourself, your professional career. How do you, uh, how did you get involved at San Diego State with leadership? Just feel free to chime in on it. Yeah, thank you. I mean, you know, I love talking about leadership because it's on my mind all the time, right? And yeah. so uh, you may have noticed over this past year, things have shifted a little bit, <laughs> yes. to say the least. And <laughs> so, I mean, <laughs> even before COVID hit, you know, I, I was always asking, what does leadership mean now, right? What does mm -hmm. it mean now? And so, uh, so, yeah, I think, you know, leadership has been something I've been really, really um, motivated to learn about. Yeah. Uh, and the focus over time uh, came from my interest in communication. So, I studied communication as an undergrad. I transferred from a community college, came to SDSU as an undergrad, and then I stayed here and went into grad school and started studying communication in organizations. Okay. And part of that was leadership, right? And so, I, you know, you can't really talk about communication in organizations without also thinking about leadership. But I think you know, more than that, I remember uh, I, I taught at a small private liberal arts college and I remember teaching leadership and asking the question, um, and that was probably about uh, 15 years ago. I was like, okay, I'm teaching this, but am I actually a leader? Wow. Am I leading, right? Yeah. Because just because you're up front, 
doing something right with an audience doesn't necessarily mean that you were leading right so i started thinking about just in my own work is all teaching leading and it's not right some some teaching is leading right it depends on how you are with the people in the space that you are occupying wow right does that matter i mean does that make sense so yeah that that makes sense yeah it's not just like i'm up front and i'm doing the talking yeah but it's what positions me as a leader in the space right and what do i need to do in order to move toward leadership right so for me um you know that was a real awakening and it was like i i examined my approach and honestly i mean i so humble and and like you mentioned humility i am i am humble but i realized at that time that i was leading Mm. what i was aspiring to was taking the group that was you know the students in front of me and moving them toward something bigger something better something more connected something that feels like connection like human connection and belonging and community right and so so there's and i and i will say that that's a lot of work so i want us to think about you know if we think about you know if we use teaching as an example but you could use anything as an example right Mm -hmm. um if you're teaching you're conveying information but if you're leading in the process of doing that you are incredibly mindful of who's in front of you you're you're teaching specifically to the people in the space And you're learning about them so that you can adjust that over time. And you have a vision for what it is you're trying to cultivate and you're working hard to move it in that direction. And that is a game changer, right? That is, um, that's something very different qualitatively. Um, And so, and and I've I've never really been able to articulate it this way, right? In a public space. Yeah. Um, But it takes a lot of inner work (laughs) and energy to do that second thing. Um, And maybe, you know, maybe other people want to save their energy for other things, right? Yeah. And that's, and and that's okay. And what, one thing that I love is that the fact that you didn't just take us on a classroom and say, oh, well, here's the syllabus and pass these three tests and you get uh, an award called the minor program. You know what I mean? Like that's not what you did. And that's one thing that I really love. And, and, and it shows that even from the liberal arts school that you're at to where you are now is that, you know, you came to a pivotal moment uh, in your life where you're like, okay, I'm teaching, but am I leading? And then as you led, it's created opportunities and open doors to where you are now. And so I just, I love the fact that you, you just mentioned that how it's like, not everyone is going to do that. Not everyone's going to take that leadership responsibility. And, and this podcast in particular is for those that want to take that next step in leadership, that want to grow in their leadership, that say, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm in a point in my life where I may be having some trouble waters where it's like I'm stepping out or I'm a leader, but I don't feel like it. And so this is so important to have a conversation. And so thank you so much for just sharing your experience and, and how you've got to where you are. So what, what are you doing now as far as for San Diego State? Yeah, so I was a chair of a communication department at that liberal, art, liberal arts college. And now I'm on the faculty at San Diego State University. And I oversee the SDSU leadership minor, which as you know, and then I also oversee a master's program in leadership as well. Um, and both of those are situated in the College of Education. Um, and so I also, you know, do a lot of talks around campus about things yeah. like imposter syndrome and finding mm-hmm. your leadership purpose, um, you know, and establishing a vision. And, and I think 
Um, I've also served uh, earlier on as an external management consultant where I coached executives in, you know, leading more effectively, right? And so, um, you know, what you you get to realize is that we all need support, right? So it doesn't matter how high you climb, uh, you're never alone, right? Mm-hmm. You always need people to speak into what it is you do so that, like you said, you're you're eager to grow, you're eager to learn. You need other people around you to do that. Yeah. So, so yeah, so that's really, you know, kind of my career. But I think, you know, when I was thinking about, you know, this question, I think my career is really a story about fidelity, mm-hmm. inclusion, uh, and mutuality, like, and mutuality is, these are like really key values to me. Like I have a deep commitment. Like when I tell you that, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I really mean it. Yeah. It's really, it lives in my heart. Yeah. So fidelity, inclusivity, right? I want people who I have the opportunity to serve to feel included and like they matter in that space. Yeah. Um, and then mutuality. And that is, a, it's, it's always a give and take. It's not just me as the person up front, but it's something that we are co-creating together and that your voice and your yourself in that space matters every bit as much as mine or anybody else's in that space. Yeah. Right. So we are mutually crafting the experience together. And I think, you know, I think that that is a, an act of empowerment. Wow. Uh, so those are the things that I, I think define not just like what I've done, right. But what yeah. I've sought to, to cultivate yeah. um, through those positions, if that yeah. makes sense. And, and, and I'm just a testament of that. I've seen that in the whole minor program is that in the leadership minor is like, you come into the classroom and you don't just sit down and listen to a, you know, 30 minute lecture. Like you will literally sit down and we pull out either a, an idea, a theory of some sort. And we collectively, every voice matters. Everyone has a, not at no one sitting down and, you know, sitting back, everyone is involved. And that's one thing that I loved. And to be completely honest with you, if there's anything I took away from my education from San Diego state, it was a leadership program. It was everything that I learned from, from what you've instilled and what you've, you know, accomplished as far as your curriculum and so just thank you so much for being intentional and being inclusive um you know I felt like I was the only one in the classroom <laughs> and I'm sure everyone can testify to that that they felt you made us feel like we were the only ones there like if we weren't there the class wouldn't have started so I think that's just that's just amazing <laughs> well and that is you know what I think and, and, you know, that's, that's really um, like, I don't know, I, I don't know that I've ever received such like an amazing compliment before, but in many ways, that's really what I'm seeking to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, because if I don't communicate it to you and everybody else in the room, um, you know, I haven't really done my job. And I think, you know, what I, what I do know is that I don't know how to do it any differently than that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also does, you know, it also requires something, Yeah. right? That process requires something in the way of energy and intentionality and you know kind of a commitment to each student in that space and so it's challenging when you have 150 students in front of you (laughs) it's a little bit different (laughs) yeah so let's, let's get right into it so how would you as a professor as a person just in general how how would you define leadership as as complex as it is i know we spent a whole semester on it what is leadership literally you spent a whole semester breaking that word down um but you know how was it modeled for you and how would you define it Yeah. And so, I mean, yeah, I know, you know, because we've covered, like, there are so many theories that we couldn't even cover, right. During that whole semester. Yeah. 
Um, and it means so many different things. I, I actually think that leadership has a, a pretty um, challenging PR problem because it can mean so many things that people can take something like and walk away and think they know what it means, right? Yeah. And so many people believe that leadership is position. It's, it's equal to the position that you arrive to. Right. But as we already established, you can do anything right and, and arrive in a position and still not necessarily be a leader. Right. It really has to do with how you show up in the position that you have arrived to. So you have arrived at a top level position. That's awesome. So are you actually leading people? Right. Because it includes a lot of different things. And, and you know, because I said I think about this all the time and I do, I kind of obsess about it. <laughs> uh, because I don't want to get caught teaching something to students that isn't the best thing I can bring, right? Yeah, so that's yeah. super important to me. Yeah. Um, and so where I've landed right now, after so many you know years of thinking about this and really kind of looking at all those theories that we covered mm -hmm. over so uh, so many years, um, you know, I think about it being more of a practice. Okay, so think about that, like. Okay meditation like how do you get good at meditation you do it by practicing right um it's not anything that you ever arrive at right so people who have done it for a long time know that they have room to grow right yeah, um, yeah. and i think leadership more than anything it's not position uh you know we used to frame it as traits or behaviors but I really do believe that it is a practice that you actually have to do it right you have to commit to it and it's not anything that you ever arrive to. So we want to believe that. We want to believe I'll just work really hard and then I'll arrive to this position and wow. then I can kind of coast. And I really hate to break it to people who really <laughs> like who have that idea. Yeah. <laughs> but sorry. Yeah, <laughs> it's like you don't arrive. <laughs> you don't arrive that if you if you lead, if you're leading well and if you're in it with and for the people you're serving. Mm -hmm. You are always trying to figure it out, right? And so it requires every day getting up. Yes. Basically recommitting yourself to the mission and the purpose for which you are working, right? Yeah. And then being with the people who you are actually working with and learning about who they are and identifying the ways that you need to move them forward. Okay. Wow. So, and, and, and the context, right, that this is happening in is very important, right? So before yeah. COVID... Um, you know, I think, you know, I think COVID intensified uh, the way things were, but I, I don't think it necessarily changed it altogether, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. I think before COVID, um, you know, one example of that is that students were having a hard time. Many students were suffering before COVID mm. in a variety of the ways that students can suffer, right? Yeah. Um, after COVID, I think it, it just intensified many of those things. And so, you know, I think leadership then kind of requires even more, even more, right, intentionality, support, getting in it. And so it can be more taxing, right, if you're really in it with people, right, yeah, it can yeah. be more taxing. Um, so that's kind of the disadvantage of leading. But, you know, theorists have talked about how um, getting in it with the people that you're serving, it does kind of, you know, like, I don't know, it can, it can be challenging, right? It can, yeah. Uh, give you scrapes, right? Like, um, who was it? Max Dupree talked about that leaders should look like small children in August at the end of summer after playing outside and running around and falling down, right? Yeah. And getting all bruised up and scraped up. 
right? Yeah. And how exhausted you felt from being outside all day in the sun. <laughs> yeah, that's how leadership should feel. <laughs> that's how it should feel. I mean, and so it's not easy, right? And I, I think, I think if we're really, really real about leadership, it is a practice, right? Yeah. And I really, I really see it as having a couple of different elements. I think, first of all, I take a narrative view of leadership and that means, and you all wrote your stories and shared your stories in yeah. you know, our capstone course. And it really is um, based on narrative. It's based on, I can't ever know all y'all stories, right? But I do know for a fact that you do have a story to tell. Wow. I mean, and I have a little bit of knowledge about your story, right? I know yeah. something about your story because you shared it. And, and I know something about everybody else's stories. I think when we, when we can get really real with our stories, um, I think it really does inform our next, our next steps as leaders. Mm. Like we know how we need to step in because we know that other people have had similar experiences, not identical, but that everybody in some way has suffered and everybody in some way has overcome. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so we get to lead all of that, right? We get to lead in light of all of that. So it's a narrative view that I really buy into in terms of what leadership is. Um, I believe it's highly relational that we have to be in relationship with people. And that can be really hard yeah, uh, because yeah. some people don't necessarily want that. Uh, but we have to continue to persist in light of that. Right. Mm -hmm. um, I think, you know, I don't know if you know of the work of Ibram X. Kendi. He wrote a book called How to Be an Anti-Racist. Um, it's an amazing book. Um, and I think it has to be anti-racist. And by that, I mean, we need to, you know, we need to um, make sure that we are examining our own biases mm -hmm. uh, when we encounter others, because yeah, we yeah. will encounter people that we haven't had lots of experiences with if we are leading, right? Yes. And we don't necessarily get to choose the people that we lead. They may wow. show up in front of us, right? They choose um, us. They choose yeah. Us. Yeah. And so we have to, whose job is it to create the space? It's the leader's job. Yeah, I yeah. can't leave it up to the other people to make me feel comfortable in their presence, right? It wow. is on me to yeah. do that inner work um, and, you know, and, and create a self that can be with mm -hmm. anybody and yeah. in an authentic and meaningful way, right? Yeah. And again, that's inner work, right? So I also think it's embodied. I mean, I think when we think about the work that I'm talking about, it may, you, you might have felt it in your own heart, in mm -hmm. your own gut, right? Like yeah, it really yeah. does, you feel it literally. Yeah. Um, I really see, that, see it as an embodied practice, right? Of knowing, like using your own body. Like if I have a feeling in my, in my heart or my gut in the middle of teaching, I wanna give voice to it in light of what's happening to someone or based on what someone says. Yeah. That's information that, that I use in that process of leading in the, in the context of the learning environment. Yeah. Um, and then finally, it should be grounded in empathy and compassion. I, 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 I knew you were going to say that. Like I was <laughs> the whole time I'm thinking and I'm, I'm tracking everything you're saying. I'm like this, this ideal, you know, definition of leadership must require empathy. It must require compassion. Those are the two words that were just in my mind. 
empathy, compassion, and honestly, just a leader has to be grounded. They have to know who they're leading. And I think that's the biggest thing is like, whenever you're in a leadership position, or you want to be in a leadership position, is like many times we think like, oh, if I could just get this secret of leadership success, oh, there's this like model on what I have to do. And what you're saying is like, no, there is like, in reality, there is no secret to success for leadership. And we have this secret, actually, the secret to success is learning who you're leading. And not only learning who you're leading, but giving them a safe place and environment to express themselves, to be who they're, who they are. And then from there, you, you cultivate, a an inspire for me, it's like inspiring them to move towards something, move towards an idea or something that you're trying to achieve with everyone collectively. Absolutely. I mean, and I think, you know, like all of this kind of theoretical stuff that I just mentioned, all these elements, which yeah. are not not totally theoretical, right? Yeah, yeah. They are also, these are all things that are happening and that are being accounted for while you're moving them forward toward the, the vision that you're after or toward completing the project that you're working on. It's about a team moving forward, right? And so yes. it really aligns in many ways with this most recent research from Google where they identified, like they asked the question, like what is the number one variable that accounts for a high performance team, right? The teams that were really accomplishing the most and doing the best, right? They ask the question, what makes that happen? Yeah. It's a great question, right? It's yeah, a great, great question. question. Um, and the variable that they landed on was something called psychological safety. And it wow. makes so much sense. It's based, yes. based on what you just said, really, is like, how do I create a space or how do we as a team create a space with and for each other that allows us to show up as we are, be valued for who we are, allow ourselves to, you know, speak whatever it is we want to say in light of where we're taking this team, right, mm -hmm. in, in order to innovate well. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, we know that not all of the ideas are going to be, you know, taken and implemented. Yeah, but we're okay yeah. with that, because we know at least we're going to be heard, right. And, our, and, and we may say something that doesn't make any sense. And we can tell each other, like, that doesn't make sense to me, right. So we can really be honest with each other. And we know how to re resolve conflict when it when it arises. So yeah. psychological safety is really kind of a way to sum up, you know, that practice of creating spaces for people so they can fully come in, right? Show up and be fully who they are so they can engage, right? I mean, I, th I worry, like for me, the things that hurt the most are when I think about students who show up and they never fully got into that learning environment. Does that make sense? So yeah, that, that breaks sense. my heart for anybody who shows up, yeah. you know, to earn their degree over time and they never have gotten engaged in the learning, right? Because of being afraid to raise their hand and have their voices heard, right? To fully show up and actually become a full participant in that process, right? For me, it's like, I'm not, not on my watch. I'm like, I don't want that to happen on my watch. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, harder yeah. in the Zoom environment, let me tell you. Oh, right. I bet, but I bet. I wouldn't, I don't know how people are doing it right now. I, I'm like, I'm I'm going to get my master's this year. Um, yes, yeah, so I'm looking into different master's programs. Uh definitely leadership is one of them. Um, but I would I on the topic of psychological safety, if you think about it, that's exactly what's gonna be needed going forward in this world. Because when people are coming back from COVID or they're coming back to society in a sense where we're going to, whether, you know, you know, large ga gatherings are lifted or these things are going to take place, everyone's first thing is, am I safe? 
Am I safe physically from COVID? Am I safe mentally from people looking at me if I do want to wear a mask, if I don't want to wear a mask? Um, am I safe about my opinions and my values? I think right now in, in the world we're living in, everyone's opinions being put on blast is putting is everyone is being like, if you put something out there, it's going to get criticized, it's going to get ridiculed. And it's so crazy, because I think that's what everyone's longing for is just a little safety is like, can I find an environment? Can I find a community where I feel safe? And I think that's so beautiful that, that you studied that and that you're, you're putting that out there for the world to, to know is that psychological safety is so important in leadership. It's so important in going forward. And so uh, moving on to the next question, I love that is, uh, uh, let's, let's, ask, let's ask this one. What is your favorite, your favorite leadership model? In a sense of like, I know we, we covered like the big man theory. Um, if you want to just share it in, in light, that might not be your favorite. It's not my favorite, but just <laughs> share a little bit about that theory, but then also your favorite. Yeah. So the great man theory is, is one that, you know, is one of the early theories where, you know, it was like really the great man, right? And, yeah. and it was not inclusive, right? Uh -huh. It was really uh, because we looked around, right? People who were studying leadership at that time, they looked around and they saw who was leading, right? And it all the, all around them were primarily white men. Mm. Um, and so now we look at, right, as researchers do, they look at what are the qualities of that great man and they start to name it, right? And so yeah, they, have, yeah. they have power, they have, typically they have money, they're well-educated, right? They have certain traits. Yeah. Um, and so leadership happily has come a long way since then, right? From that, that theory to much more inclusive kind of equity minded, yeah. um, you know, communal approaches to leadership and relational approaches. And so I'm really thrilled that it has shifted. And I guess, you know, when I thought about this question, I really, um, you know, I, so I am married to uh, somebody who has actually written a book. <laughs> yes, I remember. I got that book. I have that book in my library. <laughs> okay. Well, I think this is a newer, this is a newer one. I think okay. the five coaching conversations. Yeah. So it's the five coaching conversations. And, you know, I think, you know, there's a lot of philosophy out there around the act of coaching others. Right. And this uh, is, um, you know, coaching for a high level performance. And so it's kind of like, like I said earlier, when we talk about like a CEO, you can be president of a company or a university or whatever, and you still need people around you to come in and help, help support you in your thinking and in your leadership development. Yeah. As I said, you're never done. And so um, my husband, he, you know, does a lot of work with executives to help them perform better. And so he does a lot of executive coaching. Wow. And wow. there are a lot of philosophies out there about coaching and helping others do better. And his book is a response to kind of some of the thinking. The thinking is this, the thinking generally is you have the answer in you already. Mm. And so while, mm. while, and he thought, well, some degree, to some degree that can be true, right? But if you're talking about, um, you know, people who don't necessarily have the training yet to do the thing that they're, they need to do better, right? So like listening more effectively. So if you're coaching someone who really needs support with listening, you know, you could ask them some questions, but it might be helpful to actually explain, right? And so the coach, the five coaching conversations really take into account in a very intentional way where that person is. Mm. Um, it's similar to the situational leadership model by okay. Ken Blanchard and Paul Hersey. Uh, but this five coaching conversations model is, is similar in the sense that it looks at this person that you're coaching, where are they? Like, do they need something explained? 
do we need to ask them, what do you think, right, is yeah. the best strategy? Um, and how can we best guide that person, right? And so I'd, I have to say, <laughs> and then shout out <laughs> to, to the book, The Five Coaching Conversations, um, that I would say that theory is, is one of my favorites yeah. in terms of leadership, right? And that, that is the kind of leadership that we think of when we think about like one-on-one -on -one development of another person, right? Mm -hmm. There are other theories that work at kind of the systems level and, you know, other levels as well, like the team level as well. Yeah. So yeah, for, that's one so, of my favorites. Yeah. So, so if we're thinking about someone who we're coaching or, or we're, we're leading, right? And they're going through a lot in their lives, whether it be, you know, they lost a family member from COVID or maybe they, they feel, you know, like marginalized or they feel like their opinion or their life doesn't matter. How do you lead someone like that? How do you lead during troubling times? How do you lead when everything in the world is kind of unsure about itself? Yeah, I, you know, I think that, and that is such, such a great question for this very moment. Um, I think it's a couple of things. I think, you know, when I, when I think about answering that question, I think of a, a couple of things. I think, first of all, um, I think when we think about the great leaders, like we can name them and it, it happens every time I ask in a class, who are the great leaders? And we hear yeah, MLK yeah. Jr. Yes. We hear Gandhi, uh, you know, more recently people talk about the founders of the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, what do they all have in common? They led through very hard times. Wow. So leadership emerges from the hard stuff. Wow. Leadership emerges from what is hard and what needs, um, what, you know, like the things that we need to give voice to. Mm. Okay, so like it kind of goes back to that embodied sense, like when you feel it in your heart and your gut and you, you, you're having a hard time putting it to words, if you can put to words what you're feeling, then you're also giving voice to something that somebody else is experiencing as well. Yeah. And so how do we lead? Like if somebody's feeling marginalized, so when, you know, the death of George Floyd, you know, a lot of our students of color were having a really hard time. And as a white woman, you know, I'm like, what can I add? What can, yeah. what value can I add in this moment? Right. Yeah, I'm always yeah. asking that question. And so for my students of color, I just, I decided, you know, I, I probably will not do this perfectly, mm -hmm. but I, you know, I'd rather err by commission which is acting in some way right then omission which is just staying silent and not doing anything for fear of making a mistake right wow. you have to make that decision and again you can feel that probably in your gut right now right it's like yeah. i don't know what the right thing to do is but i also know that i care and i need to express that in some way what are my options <laughs> what are my options now um and so an email which just says you know what i honestly you know just want you to know that you are on my mind, you and your community are on my mind. Wow. And my heart. And you know what? I honestly have heard from this student about how much that meant to her. And I, it's not me being a white savior, trust me. Yeah. Um, because I didn't even know that it would matter, right? I didn't know. And you don't know, right? Does that make sense? You don't yeah, know. You, you have to make a decision to act um, when you don't know what the response might be, and it might, it could have been a good one. It might not have been, I mean, you just don't know, but it's like, I'm going to make a choice to step into this in a way, because I care about this student a lot, a lot. So I'm just going to convey that I'm only, all I have is what I really actually feel. And I'm, it's going to come from an authentic place. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to communicate it as best I can. And, you know, honestly, you know, 
I heard back a thank you, but more recently I heard just what it meant. You know, and it happened in, in a classroom context where, I mean, we've had so many incidents where people of color, you know, have been harmed, right? There's so much trauma in the yeah, community. So and so one strategy that I learned through my colleagues, right? We have colleagues in our program in the master's program who do a lot of talks, a lot of webinars on, you know, on this moment, right? Dr. Um, Dr. Frank Harris III and Dr. Luke Wood, who is San Diego State's Chief Diversity Officer and Vice President for Student Affairs and Campus Diversity. They do so many webinars on that. And one of the things they suggested is like, say something. So, you know, we have an incident and it's like, instead of coming to class and being like business as usual, yeah. You think, yeah. you think, again, it goes back to being intentional to say, has anybody ever heard of the name Brianna Taylor? Wow. And then you, you see if people, some people are like, I don't know what you're talking about. And other people are like, I do. Yeah. And so then you, you explain what happened and the whole group gets to learn. And the people who are most impacted, who are part of that community, they, they get to hear that somebody else cares, that yeah. somebody knows and that you're giving voice to that, right? And that does matter, right? That, and it's also a, an acknowledgement that the pain is real. Yeah. Right, and I think when people know that, that you see them and you see that their pain is real and you're doing something, right? It may be imperfect, right? I'll own that. Um, and it may not be enough, right? Um, but if you're doing something, I think that can go a long way. Yeah. And then you can continue that learning journey, right? The practice of learning so that you can do better next time. Yeah. And I, and when you say that, like, I think about, cause everyone interprets pain differently. Everyone interprets trouble differently and they react to it differently. And so I just think as you're speaking on them, like, okay, what was a moment within my life where I felt like my whole world has been shaken. And some people, they looked in the eyes of George Floyd and they saw themselves. They saw their sons. Like my coach literally told me, he was like, I seen myself in that. I seen my son. And so and as, a, as, as even a Mexican, like I, I'm, I, I needed to somehow feel empathy in a sense. And so I'm like, okay, so how, how does that feel? How, how can I be, become in that situation, someone that cares and not just someone that's like, oh yeah, yeah. Like, oh, we understand, you know, it's, you know, you, you matter, but it's like, how do I really feel it? And so I think about the time when I lost my mom and about how, like, I remember vividly how, like, literally my whole, like I, my seventh grade year, Dr. Gates, I didn't go to school at all. My brother didn't go to school and he went the first day back to his school. He had a stack of papers waiting for him. And his teachers was like, get this done by next week. Whoa. And, and he himself was like, what? Like, you know, for me, when I went back, they sent me straight to a counselor's office and the counselor sat me down and says, here, here are the stages of grieving that I feel like can help you within your life. And I still hold those things today. And, and, and I remember how someone cared someone genuinely cared they weren't just trying to like all right you're back here now fix it but they genuinely cared and i think that's the biggest thing is that people people need to understand you care you know and and, and... hey doctor can you can you hear me i can hear you now okay perfect <laughs> um i just what, what i was trying to say about that is is someone cared enough not to just check the box where it's like okay we understand you're hurting get back to what you need to do 
It's like, no, let's sit down. Let's take a moment in the class. Let's, let's stop what we're doing and let's talk about it. Let, let's process it together. And lead. I think that's the greatest thing about leadership is that sometimes it's not even like when you're trying to go somewhere with someone, you're not always going to get there at the time you thought you were going to get there. Sometimes you need to stop with them and, and sit with them. Like you said, that coaching where it's like you sit with them and say, how, what is it that you're faced with and how can I help you? How can I help you get there? How can I push you? And I love that because I'm, I'm speaking it as I'm learning it right now is like, it's so beautiful to see how there are leaders and that there's a, there's a, there's a theory that's being formed where it's like, no, we're going to, we're going to help you. We're not just going to give you a, a model and say, do it, but we're going to sit there. We're going to, we're going to be there with you in those moments in time. And so that is such an amazing, you know, insight as far as, you know, that, that situation that we're still faced in. I mean, I still, you know, say, I still know the names and I'm not forgetting it. And I know there's so many people that are, that there's still situations that are happening of injustice that still need to be addressed within our society. And so just thank you for bringing light in that situation. Um, I think that's really needed in this time. Yeah. Well, thank you for all of that. I mean, I think, you know, when you think about the suffering, I mean, there is a lot of suffering. And yeah. so you think about, you know, even if it's not my own community, how do I show up and how can I see it and be a part of it? It is suffering. Like, you know, um, and I can't remember this author's name, but she's a Native American poet. And she talked about how we, you know, your story um, is your story and my story is my story, but I see myself in your story. And when we can see ourselves in the other person's story, this goes back to that narrative perspective, right? Yeah. Uh, the narrative is not just our own, but we can have community narratives, right? Mm -hmm. There's a community narrative. And th that community has suffered. And so, you know, if I put myself in, if, if I can see myself in that story, yeah, um, yeah. then I'm in, right? I'm in it with them, right? And I, I, I don't see myself as a savior, but I do see myself um, and I can understand some of the story of suffering and I want to help. I want to help change that story. Yeah. Um, and so, and I, I do, I will do what I can, but I also admire the community so much, right? I admire the people and I, I, I mean, for me, I, I, what I admire so much is the strength mm -hmm. required to keep going. Yeah. The strength, right, that, that has been illustrated and demonstrated over and over and over again uh, by the leaders of, you know, kind of civil rights movement, the leaders of the Black Lives Matter movement, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, leaders who are, you know, leading civil rights movements, right? I mean, those those leaders are incredible, right? Yeah, yeah. And I also, I also see the strength in my students, right? Mm -hmm. Who have overcome. And, um, you know, any way that I can, I can support that, I'm, I'm all in. Yeah. Count, count me in. <laughs> yeah, same, same here. And to be honest with you, just to be genuinely honest, when, the, when everything first happened and everyone was giving their opinions, I said the wrong thing. I, I said the wrong thing and it wasn't okay. And there was people that were like, hey, Johnny, you're wrong in this. And I had to like talk to myself and be genuinely honest and say, okay, I made a mistake. I made a genuine mistake. I judged, I judged wrong. I I said something way that I I have no, you know, place to say. And I think leadership has to be authentic in that way where it's like, okay, I may not know anything about this. Teach me, show me. Let's have a conversation about it and let's learn together so that we can heal. Because right now I believe our nation is divided more than it's ever been in the world. 
um, our society, our world is so divided. And I think more than anything is we need to have authentic leadership that says, hey, listen, I may not know everything, but I'm willing to be a part of your story. Because yeah. there are two stories being told. There are two stories being told and there's two completely different, like you're right, I'm wrong, you're wrong, I'm right. And you're like, whoa, how did you get, how did you formulate that thought? You're like, I don't know what, what are you doing here? And it's like, no, but how can I see myself in your story? And if yeah. we have that empathy, we have that, just that compassion towards other people, I think we can go so far and our leadership can be taken to a whole nother level, whether it's in school, whether it's in church, whether it's in life, no matter where area sphere you might find yourself leading in. I love that fact that you're saying like so much, so much stuff. I hope everyone's listening to this because <laughs> this is so good. Um, so we let's go back to the story of when the little kid is in the ballpark or in, in the playground he's all scraped up he's all you know tired he's all sweaty he's all messed up how do you as a leader when you've been hurt or you've been criticized or you've been talked about how do you continue to lead people when you're wounded yourself maybe yeah I mean I think well first of all I think we are all wounded mm. <laughs> and I think this is well before you know, last year, this time, yeah, I, I think we're all wounded. I don't think anybody comes through unscathed. Mm. Um, and so I think, you know, in as much as leadership has always been and will be about the support and care and challenging other people to move, right, to get up and move and, and to, to create positive change, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, if we are to be able to do that in a sustainable way, we also have to want for ourselves what we want for the people that we're serving and so we need to learn how to take care of ourselves right and this i don't know for me it's i don't have a great track record that. Um, i'm like oh no 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 let's i'd rather help you <laughs> let's but i think if yeah. we don't like just you know and i want to hear i want anybody who uh, will listen to hear like if you aren't really great at you know the whole idea of what we call self-care now that's such a like part of our language now um, and it has to be something that really does work for you. Yeah, you know, yeah. what is it? What is it that refreshes, like recreates you? Like my, um, I have a good friend who majored in um, like recreation and I, I asked her about it. I'm like, what did you do? And she's like, recreation is actually recreate. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. to get out and do something that recreates you, that refreshes you, that, wow. that, that restores you. Right. So if we are about helping others, challenging others, changing the world, essentially, um, we better invest in ourselves as well. Mm -hmm. Right. So what does that mean for you, Johnny? What does it mean for me? It may not be the same, um, but it you know, I'm trying to figure out what that is. Right. Because um, if you want your leadership to be sustainable, mm -hmm. you've got to know what helps helps you restore and we, you mentioned the word heal, and I want to make sure that we talk about that because yeah, yeah, yeah. I think in the current climate, like when we all come back or whatever the new normal is going to be, yeah, yeah. Um, leadership, in addition to, uh, I, think, uh, I think what we need is to restore the dignity in leadership. I think we've lost a lot in the way of dignity in leadership, and I want to see us restore that. And I also think leadership will need to have a healing function. Mm. So, and I think it's, I think it always has needed that. I think, I think it always has needed it, but I, I think we're in a time where, you know, people need healing, but that means leaders need 
to give themselves that as well, right? What's good for the people yeah. you're serving is also what you might need as well. Yeah. Does and, that and make I, sense? Yeah, no, and I and I love that because it's 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 being a hundred percent real with your your own leadership. It's like you can't go a hundred percent a hundred percent of the time. You're gonna need breaks. You're gonna need refreshing moments. You're gonna need time to say, you know what? Okay, I need to get myself in order for me to lead someone or lead a company or lead a business or an organization. I need to first heal and be and be and be be refreshed. And I love I I just I love that because I think many times as leaders we get this false perception of I have to be, I have to be this macho or or man or woman or not. I have to always be on on point. And it's like no, it's okay to not be okay. It is okay to not be okay. I, I love that. I'm telling myself that right now because you're not an endless stream of giving. Nobody can be, right? And I think, I think you know, people who are good at that right now are really in trouble <laughs> because- <laughs> no, It runs out. <laughs> you, you know, you might think, well, it never runs out. And then it's like, right now you go, it's, it's running out, right? And so if we haven't, if we haven't invested in ourselves enough to know what restores me, what gives me, what refreshes me, who do I spend time with that really is like, the, it's like just easy and it, it, it works and I'm going to go, I'm going to go there, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm going to ask for help. I think learning how to ask for help mm-hmm. um, is vital as a leader. Like I need help and I need, I need your opinion or I need your, I need you to weigh in with me. I need you to think about this with me. Help yeah. me, help yeah. me yeah. think through this, right? And so having people around you uh, that you can turn to when you're having a hard time. Uh, and, and, you know, like we used to in our ARP 404 class, which is the internship course, yeah. one of the things we taught in that course was establishing your own personal board of directors. Who are the people that you need to have? You don't have to tell them that you're, they're on your board of directors, but yeah, yeah, you can yeah. just I- identify who are the mentors, who are the people that, that give you life, yeah. that, that bring you back, that remind you of who you are, that, that give you that perspective of yourself that you hope to be and become and that, you know, that, that gets you back yeah. right to that, that kind of energy that you need in order to keep on pushing forward, right? If you can have a couple, like even two, two of those people in your life, yeah. I think to have that is a true blessing. Yeah. Um, and so I think, I think we have to uh, be mindful that leaders are not superhuman people. They're human, mm-hmm. they're fully human. And so to acknowledge when you're tired, to acknowledge when you, you need to recharge and to make that time for yourself uh, so that you can give it back to other people as well. I love, I just love how you're talking about that because board of, who are your board of directors? And we're not, <laughs> we're not, we're not superhumans. And I think that's, that's so cool because even as leaders, we need help. If, if my pastor always tells me this, he goes, if you are the biggest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. And it's so true because you always should influence someone and someone should always be influencing you. And there has to be that, that trans, that transmittal of just like you continuing to learn as you give and grow as you, as you give. And I just love that so much because I think honestly, the people I surround myself with, which is a lot of church people, it's a lot of people that um, are just really trying to hold on to a lot of religious values and a lot of religious things that honestly are kind of thrown out the window because of the pandemic. They're like, oh, you can't gather, you can't talk to people, you can't. And it's like, it's like, we're trying to 
find, we're trying to find the, the, the middle ground for all of it. Like we want to be safe, but we also want to be spiritual. We want to make sure there's a line order in the house of God. And it's like, so we have all these different aspects, but I just, I love how you said it, how it's like, okay, as you're doing all these things, as you're continuing to try to, to, to press towards a mark, press towards a goal, take some time to rest. We believe in like, I like to believe in something called rest is holy. So get a lot, get a lot of it, you know, get a lot (laughs) of rest because you have to be. And and one thing that I've been practicing, and this is just a practice I've been doing is I've been spending 20 minutes a day of complete silence. Wow. Complete. And it's at first I was like going crazy. I was like, I need to fill my mind with something, but it's like, don't even think about the good things because when you think about the good things, your brain goes into like, oh, well, what I have to do today? Because in order to do that, I have to be good. And then you get that anxious thought. And then I don't think about the bad things because that obviously lead me to a bad, you know, perception of life and what I'm thinking about. So I literally sit for 20 minutes and I just look at the wall or I look at my ceiling or I look at just something. And I just think like, I'm here now. I don't need to hurry. I don't need to worry. What is it that life's trying to bring me? And how can I respond in an effective manner without reacting, responding without reacting. And I think that's so like what you're talking about, how it's like learning to take breaks, learning to say, you know what, I need some time right now to heal. So if you can just to wrap everything up, um, I think there's so much insight, so much knowledge. I mean, I, I'm going to listen back to this a million times because every time I talk to you, professor, it's like I'm back in school. And so I love it. (laughs) I'm learning so much as I, you know, interview you, but if you can just give an encouraging word to someone that says, you know what, I think I want to give up leadership. I think I want to throw in the towel. I don't think being a leader is for me. Um, It's too hard. It's too difficult. Can you just speak to that person or speak to that space? Yeah. I mean, I think if we come to the conclusion that leadership is really hard, I think, first of all, we have to say, you're absolutely right. It is hard. Yeah. It's hard. It's why a lot of people don't choose it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so what I would say is, you know, do what like you just described, you know, find the thing that restores and heals and, and gives you rest. Yeah. Something that recharges you. And there's no right answer to that. It's only your answer, right? Find something and find someone to get into that with. Right. Um, And then give yourself some grace. Mm. I think we're all suffering right now. Everybody, everyone that I know is, is troubled in some way, right? They're having a really hard time in this moment. Um, and so I think give yourself some real grace here. Mm. And then I would say, don't give up because, you know, uh, you know, as we, you know, as I said about story, like your story, like think about what you've done already. Think about what you've come through and think about the fact that you are someone who has overcome. Mm. And there are people out there who need to hear your story in order to move forward as well. And so lead from right where you are. If you're having trouble, connect with people because they need to hear it too. Um, You know, I think we see other people. I mean, I'll tell you what, Johnny, I mean, I look at you and I think about your disposition and the, the energy and life that you bring into every space that you find yourself in as well. Um, And I think, you know, I could look at you and say, well, Johnny doesn't ever, Johnny doesn't have a challenge. Johnny's fine. (laughs) No, I wish. (laughs) I'm crying right before this. Just kidding. (laughs) But I think, you know, I think we, we think, right. And be careful. Like, that's why I was saying, I want to say, I think the last thing is be careful not to compare your story or your, your experience or how you're feeling right now 
to how you think somebody else's life is. Um, and please don't use social media to make that assessment because um, we're all having a hard time. And I think if we can think about, you know, as we move towards something that looks a little bit more like normal, uh, the question that I'll pose, and then this is it, yeah. who do you want to be? And this is one of my colleagues asked me this question, who do you want to be on the other side of this? Wow. And what can you do right now to help uh, prepare for that moment, right? What can you do right now? And, and continue doing that will allow you to be the person you want to be as we move more into that normal, you know, kind of normal stage, right? More normal yeah. stage. And I think that question has inspired me a lot during this time. Like, who do I want to be? I certainly don't, I certainly don't want to give up. Okay. So I know that for sure. Yeah. Um, but two, what do I have to do in order to keep my, myself healthy and, you know, and whole, um, and continue to do the work that I re really do feel called to do. Um, I have to pay attention to that in a very serious way, in a way that I never have before in my entire life, right? So we all are there. I think we all are there. Anybody who leads is probably there. And so please know that if you're feeling like, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I can lead. I don't know if I can muster up the energy to do it. Please know you're not alone in that. Like you've got a lot of company <laughs> in that <laughs> arena. And so that's why we need you. Yeah, that's <laughs> we, why we, need, need you. we need each other, right? To, to weather this in a really, in, in a very important way. So we can come out on the other side. And then I think, I think on the other side, we're going to have some really, com really amazing conversations about the world that maybe we're, we were not able to have before yeah. because of the energy and effort we were pouring into a certain kind of performance. I think if we were not real before, we're going to be really real on this other side of things. And so how do we prepare ourselves for, for what is, is coming? I mean, I think this podcast is a really good example of the kinds of conversations that we all need to have. So, um, I mean, just thank you so much for, for inviting me to join you in this. I feel, I feel refreshed. And I feel <laughs> so I'm, I'm so happy to be exposed to your wisdom and um, all the good work that you're doing, Johnny. Always. It's always a, a, like I treasure the moments that I have had with you. And I treasure this this time with you as well. Thank you so much. Well, well thank you. It, it's my honor, honestly, just because I've always looked up to you as a leader, um, as, a, as just a role model. You just continue to lead in such an effective way and you're honest with your leadership. You know, you, 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 you're not, you're not fake. You're not, you know, you're not someone that when you get close up to them, you realize, oh, it's not really, really who they are. And in everything that you do, you do it with all your heart. And so thank you so much. It is my honor and privilege to have you on this podcast. And I'm just going to leave it with that with everyone is just like, who are you going to be after this? You know, and, and, and if, and if there is a bright future, it's going to be, let's put down the performance and let's pick up what's real. And I think what's real is this type of leadership talk. It's like learning how to sit with someone and say, listen, I'm here for you. What is it that you need and how can we move forward? How can we push towards something, a greater goal, a good, a greater good. And so thank you so much, Dr. Gates, for just being a part of this. And um, just honestly, if, if, if there's anyone or just anyone that wants to get in touch with you, uh, San Diego State University is where, where they can find you at or yeah, that's right. Anytime, please reach out. I, I love hearing from folks. So it's just lgates at sdsu.edu. Reach awesome. out. 
Awesome. I love it. Thank you so much for being a part. Um, thank you so much. I just, I, it's just so mind bobbling to have you on here. You're such an inspiration. And I know I don't take this time um, for granted. It honestly was a blessing to have you on the podcast. And I would love to share the reports on how people enjoy listening to this. I'd love to hear it. And thank you so much, Johnny. It's honestly my honor. Uh, great to see you. Yes. And to spend this time with you. Please take very good care. Okay, I can't wait to hear the podcast. So I'm going to keep listening. Yes. For the yes, next ones. <laughs> for the next ones. All. That's the hard part is to, to move. How do I get better than having you on, on the show? Like that's going to be a thousand times harder. You just take, <laughs> take everything to the next level. So thank you so much. Thank you, Johnny. Please take care. Okay. All right. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.